Salutation Shades, and welcome back to your home for all things strange and unusual, Talking with Shadows, the conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Whaley. And Marcus D. And guys, we want to give a big shout out to our two newest patrons, Brian Foy and Melon of Death. Cheers, man. Thank you guys so much for signing up. Thank you. We always appreciate any time anybody gives us any kind of appreciated any appreciation in any way, whether it's becoming a patron or just giving us a like, a good review. However you guys want to do it. But we like our patrons a little extra. That's true. That's that's true. But also if you guys don't if you guys can't become a patron, that's okay. One of the best things you guys can do is just share the content. So thank you guys so much. Uh very excited to do today's episode. I actually had something uh, rather interesting happen to me today. Uh so I was uh, I was leaving for work and I noticed out in one of the trees that a cardinal had built a nest. Like right outside the door to my house, uh, and I let my mom know because she likes, you know, because she likes cardinals. And what my mom apparently told me, and I didn't know this, was that cardinals uh, apparently are supposed to be the spirits of a deceased relative that have come back to visit you. And I was like, wow, that's like the nicest way that I've ever been told I'm being haunted. <laughs> way to go, mom! Way to break the news kind of gently to me. Wow. So I, th- I thought that was I thought that was, I thought that was I didn't know that about Car- did you know that about cardinals that I've, that was I've never known that one I've always heard that they represent courage so and I always think it is a good sign when I see them yeah well you know as far as hauntings go I mean so far everything's been okay and you know nothing bad's happened in my house so I'm kind of I'm kind of all excited about that there's a lot of interesting symbolism involving birds like uh there's this whole Irish tale about um oh god I can't remember the type of bird I I, I need to Actually, look this one up and share it with you guys at some point. Uh, uh, I'm already scared of this because, guys, I am absolutely terrified to death of any bird in any form. So, come on, you can't be scared of cardinals. They're Indiana state bird. They're ghosts. That means <laughs> that the state bird of Indiana is a dead person. If that's true, if they're I, the spirit of your dead relatives that are coming back to visit you, I think that makes this a little extra cool. I'm going to find out when the state, I'm going to find out for our next episode. Like, I want to know who the, I want to know when they made the Cardinal, the state bird of Indiana, the Cardinal, the state bird of Indiana, because I want to find out who died that way. We can try to figure out like who maybe is the dead person that like, that it represents. Do you think states have a official cryptid? Uh, probably not officially by like the governing body, but I bet there's probably somebody that probably came up with it. What do you, all right. Fun fact here. All right, so what do you, what for you? What's the state cryptid of Indiana? We're gonna go with. Oh, I already know. I already know mine. Oh goodness. Oh, do we go? Uh, for... I wasn't thinking about this, so I'm not sure what you got. I'm gonna go with the beast of Busco, the giant turtle <laughs> from northern Indiana. That's supposed to be like the size of a car that like lives within. I think it's Busco Lake is what it is. I would be all about that one. That is probably one of my favorite cryptids. I love that so much. We actually did a video on that not not uh, like a couple of years ago. Uh, which which I thought was was pretty cool about this like cryptid from up there. It's just this giant snapping turtle or no giant turtle that like lives in this lake. That 
the snapping people, turtle. The snapping turtle that people see up there. I also like in that video because for some reason we had him say "suck at Hitler." Like I can't remember why it came up in the conversation, but like he he says it in the video, and I, I thought that was funny. But can you think of a better cryptid? Not off the top of my head. No. Awesome. And so you guys heard it from us. The state the the state of Indiana's cryptid as the Beast of Busco. Uh, comment below what you guys think your guys' state cryptid would be, because I would be interested to see what you guys uh, would want your state's official cryptid to be. Did you know states have an official amphibian? I did not know that. That is, like, I think the coolest thing about states I know. Uh, that's... Oh, God, you're so... Such a nerd. That is... You are such a... You are such a, a animal nerd. Love animals. They're awesome. Oh okay, gosh. well, we got comments. All right, all right, all right. So a few comments from uh, that we'd love to give shout-outs to from our last video where we talked about the Dover Demon, a uh, really famous cryptid from Dover, Massachusetts. Uh, let's, let's see. Sarah uh, Melchior, Melchior says, Please do a video about the Ingfield Horror, the cryptid, not the poltergeist. Heart, you guys. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and comment this now. Uh, Mr. We actually did a video. Yeah, we uh, have some great news for you. Yeah, we actually did a video on the Ingfield Horror, which I'm gonna post uh, a, a link, by the way, to in your comment for you for you there. Yeah, I think that was one of the paranormal case files we did in our second year yeah. of doing them. I spent so long trying to make the thumbnail to that <laughs> video actually like work, like trying to make something good for that too. Oh my gosh. I actually love the story of the Infield Horror. I, I really feel like one. we could revisit it as a podcast one day. Mm -hmm. The Jet Fox 967. The Dover Demon is a truly bizarre and mysterious cryptid. Absolutely, man. It was ab It's definitely one of those cryptids that stands out and that's uh, something else that I heard about from other places, which I was pretty excited when we got to do it. I, I like that it's meaty. You can mm -hmm. really chew on that one for a while and it can that story mm -hmm. can lead you places. And anytime you have a, a story in which a person generally stays consistent their entire life um, with about what they saw that night, it just gives credence to the story. So, okay. Uh, last comment that we're going to do. Blue Steel says, Caves freak me out. I visited Marvel Cave in Branson, Missouri. Uh, legend tells that the Native Americans in the area believed it was an entrance to the underworld and supposedly some natives uh, that went down there never came back out. There's also the fear that I'm going to be mining iron and get snuck up on and killed by an exploding green monster, but that's in a different reality. I want to know about what reality you have to worry about an exploding green monster. Please give more context to that. Yeah, caves kind of freak me out as well. I don't mind being near them, but I don't like going past the point where I can see the exit. That That's, that's the stop zone for me. There's so many of those, like, did you know mysterious like stories posts I see on Facebook about people getting like trapped in caves and people try to rescue them and then they couldn't and now they're just their skeleton is just buried there for the rest of you know eternity. And as far as like caves being entrances to underworlds, that's a real co cross cultural belief right there. That's that's present in at least in some way in most cultures that I can think of. Yeah, and I do remember in the episode we were talking about this that I did say that I would camp out in front of a mine shaft to see if anything weird or spooky happens to us while we're out there. I mean, we're in the right area for it, and beyond that, I mean, we have a theory about when it might occur. Yeah. I really want to test. Yeah, this. we're in coal mine country, USA, here in Indiana. So, like, there's something that's to be said about these mine shafts being like all interconnected and they're these being these goblin like creatures that live inside them or fairies like when go knockers or whatever that may be down there or other weird crap that comes out of them where 
you could might have an experience. I just don't recommend going into any cave that you don't know is safe, which I assume is none of them, but... Well, guys, we're coming up on the end of Season 5, and we yes. have a little bit of house cleaning before we get started on this episode. Uh, absolutely. We kind of want to give you guys uh, a little bit of uh, an idea about what we want to do kind of format-wise as far as the podcast goes uh, and, for our cha- and for the channel as well. And for all of you guys who have been commenting, do more case files... Well, we have been listening, and we are bringing back the case files on a monthly thing. We'll be yeah. doing a one case file a month for all of season six, yes. right? Yes, season that's, six our, now, that's right? our plan is to do one case file a month. Because again, we were planning on, I was planning on doing more case files, but when coronavirus happened, we were dedicated to putting out a, at least trying to do a week, uh, an episode a week of the podcast, uh, and then it just never stopped. <laughs> like, it's, we're, we're on week 37, we're on week 36, we're still going. <laughs> And we're going to make the case files more of yes. a primary feature. We're going to do. We're going to still do the podcast weekly, but the podcasts are going to be related and building up to the case file we're going to do at the end of the month. So the four podcasts we do in the month leading up to it will all be related to the subject matter of what the po- or what the case file is going to be. Yeah, and I think in the end it's going to make our case files even better when we decide to do them. You know, because typically they're. We try to do something incredibly dense, something that's visually appealing for you guys. We hope that that's going to make it uh, that much more exciting for you guys. And also, there will be voting on what case files we do. For the first one that we're doing in October, we're going to select it. But after that, uh, there will be a thing up on our Patreon, our Patreon for our patrons to vote on. And they'll be picking up, picking the order we're doing these in. Yes. Do we want to give a teaser to what we might be doing? Hey, go right ahead. So, uh, you, if you guys probably notice on our channel that we really don't throw the word demon out a lot uh you're gonna be hearing a lot in the month of october giving you guys a heads up on that oh yeah it's going to be a key feature of the month and it's going to be leading up to a pretty interesting case file you know we figure with october and it being halloween this would be probably a good time to do probably some of the scariest crap that is probably known uh in the paranormal because we're not quick to throw that that term out so anything that we're like gonna legit throw that term out on something it's it's gonna be a doozy so we've already lined it up and we've got some uh, exciting episodes all for the month of october for you guys and for those of you who are patrons uh you'll be seeing some sort of voting list come up sometime in the next week Mm -hmm. or so absolutely absolutely all right guys so i think it is time to get into today's episode Ooh, very 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 excited i know vic was very i posted on twitter that vic was very excited about today's uh topic because he's been trying to get me to do this topic for a while Basically, when we were discussing it, I more or less strong-armed him into agreeing to do this one by just saying, do it, do it, do it, well, do it, Well, because again, we, we had one last week to fill before, like, the week, before, like, the thing of October, so we had to, like, sneak something in, and you were like, yeah, let's do this, let's do this. I'm like, fine, we'll do it. <laughs> and, you know, coming in, so we're going to be talking about the dark watchers of California. And initially, like, I knew of them, and I knew, and I knew about these things, not that they were pretty cool. Um, I didn't realize how much more exciting this topic can actually be uh, getting into it. So if you guys are not familiar with what the Dark Watchers of California are, because it is a pretty obscure entity uh, from out west, if you're trying to look for it. So out in uh, California, in the Santa Lucia mountain range, which is, this is like central uh, California, okay, Uh, people out in that region have been reporting up on the mountains reporting seeing these giant shadow people 
describing it as that, like essentially like a silhouette of a black shadow person, but not like your typical shadow person that you would see like in your room. We're talking anywhere from like, I don't know, four to 12, 15 feet tall. Yeah, I, I've heard seven to 17. Yeah, like huge, huge shadow people um, up on this mountain ranges. And people have been reporting seeing these things for hundreds uh, of years. Supposedly the legend goes back to the... Uh, people said that the the Spanish when they first when they first start first started settling out there in that region started uh, spreading uh, the stories of seeing these things. Oh god! And what did they call it? It was something really badass. Oh, I knew you were gonna ask me the the like, the, the Los Vigilantes Obscuros. Yeah, the Vigilantes Obscuros. I, I just thought that sounds so cool. Yeah, which I don't know if that just straight. The, supposedly it's supposed to translate straight to uh, Dark Watchers, but I'm like, how does that just not translate to Obscure Vigilantes? <laughs> Which I still think is an even more just awesome term for these things. Vigilantes Obscurus is definitely my superhero team name. Absolutely. <laughs> um, also, other people supposedly claim that the the Dark Watchers that are up, that are up there are also stories from the Kumash. Uh, yeah, I was not able to find anything to substantiate that. Um, I, I wouldn't either. My only thought is this. Most people refer to this primary um, academic text... And it's not mentioned in there. My only thought is either people are making it up or what's going on is it's it's part of their oral tradition that never made it into the academic paperwork. Right. If you if you try to find the first mentions of these things in like a written text, like written documentation, um, the earliest thing people can actually track these things back to is about 1937, 1938. 1937, a gentleman by the name of Robinson Jeffers um, wrote a poem in which he was referencing these dark watchers uh, up there on the mountains. Uh, and another gentleman, John uh, Steinbeck, he wrote a short story called, I think it was called Flight. Um, and in that, he also was describing seeing these dark watchers uh, as well. Uh, so how a typical story uh, of encountering one of these things would go is is you would be uh, up on the mountain uh, and you would supposedly see these things either at twilight, uh, you know, either sunset or sunrise, like one of those two times. And was it Steinbeck's son that was obsessed with them? Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to that one. I don't know. Uh, one of their sons was obsessed with it. I yeah. think it was Steinbeck. It was, it was one of them. Like, But that was but trying to, to find the earliest mention of these things is, is about right there. But going back to what I was saying... Um, so you're up on the so you're up on the mountainside, uh, climbing, walking around up there, and like off in the distance, you're gonna see a four to seventeen foot tall shadow person with. They're often described as having like robes or long cloaks, giant wide brim hats, uh, canes, sticks, um, and then they just appear to you, motionless. They don't talk to you. They don't say anything. They're just standing there staring at you supposedly people like report that you only see these things if you they only appear to people that don't have any uh like photographic stuff like camera phones or cameras and you know they don't want to be you know they don't want they don't want the evidence because if you try to go find photos of these things um you're you're going to be running into very few photos i guess of people claiming of having taken a photo of these things yeah also like since people see them up on the mountain i'd be surprised if like a camera phone's going to be able to get any sort of detailed mm -hmm. picture of them anyways mm -hmm. uh, most people only see them for a very fleeting second you know for a very fleeting amount of time you know they don't they don't stand around very long it's almost like a blink they'll be gone they'll turn your back they'll be gone um 
and it's supposed to be like really like it's supposed to be like a an absolutely terrifying experience to see to see to see one of these things before you trying to think but um they're also supposed to like like, leave no footprints people trying to track them down you know they're supposed to be like no physical evidence of being up there which make these things seem to be more like an entity rather than an actual cryptid itself yeah i probably classify these things in the specter sort of vein (laughs) i also found a very uh, a very interesting uh tidbit apparently they they won't present themselves to anybody who has a gun yeah no i (laughs) came across that too and i'm like the heck i I feel like this is just a sign that someone's tacked on there. I don't know. I don't know. I, I I've always found it very odd that more entity paranormal sto- like whether cryptid or entity stories don't end with and then I pulled out my gun. Like I I don't know. Maybe it's the Hoosier in me from Indiana. I don't the American in me. I I don't know. I'm just you know you know we have more bullets than people in this country. So I that's why I'm always surprised it's not more part of the narrative of been of much more of our paranormal lore here. I don't know. You know. Um, yeah, but supposedly they want to, they won't show themselves to anybody that they may de- that they may have some sort of a, a, a gun or something. I don't know how they feel about bows and arrows or slings. I don't know, it was just the oddest thing tacked onto the lore. I, I just, I'm just like, I have no clue where this comes from. Because <laughs> the thing is, like, they appear so rarely. How do you even test something like that? Yeah. And that is generally a story of encountering them in a nutshell. So, initially, what are your thoughts, Vic? I want to know kind of what, what you think. Oh, and what sort of vein? Like, what are they or what what are we talking mm, about? So, how however you want to start. Do you want to try to say, like, explanations for what could be causing this, what you think yeah, it could be? Yeah, let's go ahead and jump into that because I know there's something meaty here for us to chew on. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Um, so, I think the very first thing people claim, uh, try to have explanation for what people think that they're seeing Um well, you know, we'll go from like the most unlikely to the the least likely. Uh, one that people are just uh, so legit exhausted that they're hallucinating while they're up on the mountain, and they're just hallucinating giant shadow people. When I worked in Pennsylvania, I went from never being into in a mountain before to I am now working every day teaching survival in the Pennsylvania mountains. And I don't think I ever hallucinated once. Like, it, yeah, it was an adjustment, but, and I was hiking a lot. I was chopping a lot of wood, doing all that sort of stuff. I, I never hallucinated shadow people, let alone anything up there. Well, I also don't think people would have the same collective hallucination while, while, while they're up there that they're seeing one of these things. Uh, the other explanation that people could be saying is that they might be, uh, they might be uh, hallucinating from infrasound. Uh, veterans of our channel might be kind of familiar with this. This is like f- frequent, like radio frequencies or frequencies, wave frequencies that are so low, they can cause confusion and hallucinations in people. And these things can occur naturally. Like, have you ever heard of the uh, D8 Love Pass incident, um, which we've done a video on that. If you guys want to Didn't go... we talk about infrasound in that one? Yeah, yeah. There's a possible explanation for that. Like, in the D8 Love Pass uh, incident... Uh, it was a bunch of hikers that literally were up, like, in the, I think the Soviet Union mountain range was the country, um, like, when there was snow outside, and they literally just became super disoriented. They found them without their clothes on. They found them, one of them climbed up a tree. One of them, like, it, like, ran into the woods. Um, they, one of the biggest <laughs> prevailing theories was that these people had literally just had gotten hit so much with infrasound, they just became disoriented and confused. Like, I hope that's not a real thing on many more mountain ranges, that if I go up into a mountain range that I'm going to go crazy. 
Like, I don't know a whole lot about Infrasound, but it's making me terrified enough to wander that 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 far up a mountain. Like, I'm, I'm pretty lazy as is, so I don't want to go into the mountains. I respect mountains to exist autonomously over there. Hiking mountains is, I, I don't I don't find it to be a real fun experience. No, that just seems like just walking in hard mode. <laughs> like, just on an incline. I'm like, uh, pass. So, uh, the other explanation that people try to, uh, to, to go with it is that the Brocken Spect, the Brocken Spectre illusion. Okay, this is the one where I think we're going to have a lot of meat to talk about, because a lot of people seem to attribute this to being a Brocken Spectre. Absolutely. Okay, so the Brocken Spectre illusion effect is essentially where you are, are walking up at a high, at a high elevation point. And when the sun hits, like essentially casts, um, hits you with like a, in just the right spot, typically around sunrise or sunset, just throwing that out there. Um, and it casts, and it casts your shadow off into uh, like mist, clouds, fog, mist, whatever. It will just project your shadow like way out there, uh, usually with some sort of like halo effect that tends to be around it. And it kind of lingers, and it lingers there. And I mean, you have to like hit this in like a particular right way about doing this. Um, you know, one slight movement, and the thing just disappears. The puff of wind, the cloud moves, and then it's just, then it's just gone. And as far as explanations for paranormal encounters go, this one is not the worst one I've heard. I, I think you're pretty well in Brock Inspector camp over there, aren't you? I have been since the very beginning, since doing this, because again. Because Brock Inspector, um, if you worry where the term comes from, because people try to say like they've never heard of anything else like this, like when it comes to the Dark Watchers, um, the Brockenspenst is a entity in German folklore up in the ha they're called the Haas Mountains. I want to say the Hans Mountains. No, the uh, yeah the 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 Haas Mountains or the Haas Mountains range. It's in Germany, and they have a peak called the Brocken. And up in that mountain range, it's supposed to be this thing called the Brockenspector, which is a giant black shadow that appears to travelers in the mountain. And if you see it, it's supposed to be a ill omen that you will not get off the mountain. So this isn't this isn't actually a more more common phenomenon around the world than what people would likely than people realize. Now, I want to get into this discussion because I've done a lot of research on Brock Inspectors. And although, like I said, this is way better than, oh, the Flatwoods monster was just an owl excuse. There, there's some merit yeah. to this. But I don't think it's as good of a fit as people make it out to be. I think there are some holes in this argument. I, you, I am welcome to change my mind. Okay. So why, why do you think it's a Brock Inspector? Okay, so I will start with why I think it's a Brock Inspector. So we've already established that the earliest known accounts of the uh, the Dark Watchers in a written text was from about 1937, like John Steinbeck or Robinson Jeffords and their literary reference. Okay, so the Brock Inspector goes back to a, to, a, to a written reference. I found one back in like 1894, uh, lady by the name of Lily A. Brown. I'm not sure exactly where it comes from, but it was her account of being up on the mountain range, and they were describing seeing. The Brockenspecken, or God, I can't pronounce that. I'm pronouncing that. The Brocken. Yeah, I, the Brocken I pronounce that. Bro oh, Brocken yeah. Spitz. Brocken uh, yeah, I think, I think you're yeah. saying it right. But I'm not sure though. But typically, this is a large black shadow entity seen up on the mountain, typically around sunrise or sunset. Ta-da! Uh, yeah, that essentially that they eventually came to terms with that they people you know now realizes an optical illusion from that from up there. So I think that's kind of a reason you know. 
That's how I'll start this. You're welcome to okay, change okay. my mind. Is, is that your full argument right there? Oh, no, I keep going. You, you can bring it back. You can bring it back. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, that, that's not that's <laughs> the worst argument I've heard, that there is a similar thing that has occurred that, and I'm assuming that it's this has been very similar. It's a pretty proven. similar. It's a pretty similar one. Yes. I don't this think is, this is it science. fits as well as you're making it out, but yes, I'll give you to it that it is similar. Now, I will okay. say there are some differences. I will admit there are differences. But go ahead. Okay, and, and is that your full argument? I mean, I can keep going. Do you want me to, I can I can spout the other places where I where I found actual evidence of these. Well, but, I think a lot of those are going to be coming up in the course of our discussion. So sure, don't, sure, don't worry. Yeah, about yeah, yeah. That's okay. I'll make that argument for the Brock Inspector. Yes. Okay. Here's one of my first arguments on why I think the Brock Inspector thing doesn't fit as well. Okay. These things aren't described as just simply being a silhouette. It is a silhouette that has some fairly pronounced shapes. Um, like it very consistently has that brimmed hat as being probably the most outstanding of the descriptions. Yes. After that, it usually has what seems to be some sort of flowing uh, either gown or long coat or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. The thing is, if it's a Brock inspector, that means the person who's casting it or someone casting it nearby is consistently someone wearing that. Well, I think it's pretty common that a lot of people going up into the mountains have walking sticks. I will. No, I, no, that's a, if you notice, I, I did not bring up the walking stick part. Okay, that part I don't yeah. think discounts that, it. I will say the hat. But the other yeah. two do. That the hat is the hat is a big difference. I will say the hat is more pronounced in the dark watcher lore as compared to, like, say, like the Brock Inspector lore. But I'm gonna say that I, you know, the time of day in which they're both seen. The fact that they're both fleeting. Actually, if they I'm going move. to be challenging you on so on both of those as well. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, my first point is this thing has a really distinct look that wouldn't necessarily consistently make sense for Brock Inspector because mm. you'd expect it to have a diversity of looks because the different travelers that would be casting the shadow are going to be wearing different things. Mm -hmm. Now, the time of day. You gave a bit of a misquote earlier. Mm. As you said that sunrise in sunset, actually, it's sunrise in twilight when they're right. being spotted. Now, sunrise and sunset would make a good degree of sense, but twilight does not. Twilight is the time where the sun has set and it is now casting ambient light into the sky. Mm. The thing is to create a Brock Inspector, you need a direct source of light. The sort of muted ambience of twilight is not enough to cast it. Like when you're, if you're trying, because yeah, you can go out in outside and create a Brock inspector at night with like headlights on a car and things like that. Because mm. I've seen people recreate Brock inspectors in the course of the research of this. The thing is, at twilight there is not enough direct light to create a Brock inspector. I'm wondering if, and I'm gonna, because I, because I didn't know about this particular argument. I'm wondering if there's enough light pollution from the surrounding, from a close enough of an urban area in order, in order to be able to affect it. I could be wrong. The thing is, that. that's dispersed light. You that's need true. a that's really true. strong light source to create a bright like right, like right behind the person. True, but also people also might be bringing up their own light sources while they're out there. I mean, I know that's that's stretching it. I will admit that it, it I, would need to be headlights or yeah. a floodlight or something like that, which a lot more people are prone to having nowadays. But I, mean, I guess that's true. But the thing is, also you can't be carrying it. If you are carrying the light, it would have to be someone true. behind you carrying it. True, but I but. If you look at stories involving the Dark Watchers, most of them are are generally this, and I, and and when I've seen people try to give accounts of seeing the Dark Watchers, it's it's almost 
like the few camps I've seen that I've seen people having, they're always like just generally describing the legend of seeing these things. But people with their direct it's claiming that they've actually had direct contact of seeing them are like a person. I think there was a person that was like driving on the interstate. I think they had stopped and there was a shot. They described seeing a dark watcher that was like outside their car, moving around their car. It was almost like she was describing an actual shadow person encounter mm-hmm. rather than an actual dark, dark watcher. Truthfully, I think that that's what these are, but I got more. Okay, go ahead. Okay, I'm assuming that you've gone through a lot of pictures of Brock inspectors in the course of this research. Yes. There is one thing that's present in almost every non-synthetically created Brock inspector image that is absolutely not present in the description of the Dark Watchers. That's the, I'm going to guess you're talking about the light halo. I am talking about the light halo. Yeah. Because, okay. You need effectively three things to create a Brock Inspector. You need a strong source of light coming from behind to cast the shadow. You need the object that's obscuring the light to create the shadow. And then you need something along the lines of a cloud or something like that for the shadow to then be projected on. I'll buy that those clouds are probably going to be available there up in the mountains because from what I can tell, that mountain gets some serious fog. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, the light moving through the water particles creates a very bright, pronounced halo. And it is super a super bright, obvious halo when you're creating a Brock Inspector. And it's usually right around, like, the head, too. Yeah. Um, but that's not present in, like, any of the descriptions. But it's present in, like, 99%. The only images I've seen of a Brock Inspector that did not have the, the uh, halo were once created synthetically using car lights for specific experiments Mm -hmm. Uh, but even like ones where it's a plane casting it on a cloud below it Mm -hmm. it pretty much always has the halo yeah and and that's pretty predominant in the other places where i found it like if you look at like uh like china where there's also uh, like brock inspector-esque like brockengeist folklore as well they 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 actually see it in a positive light they call they actually call it a uh they call it like buddha's light where it's like it's like this halo that forms around them. That's actually even part of their lore, where they'll, they'll even say like, "That's the divine glow around uh, the person." Like when you go up into like the Chinese mountains, when they take tours for people to go up to see these sorts of things at like, tw- oh, yeah. it looks, like at sunrise. It looks very much like a saint's glow. Right. If you've seen old uh, Catholic art, mm-hmm. like it is very much that sort of like circular halo projecting light. It's actually someday, isn't it? Sunday's called a glory. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But I, I, I also I thought it was so funny, like how differently, like two different cultures take stories of seeing these things. Like you have like the, the people of Germany, like legit believing they're never going to get off the mountain, and people from like China <laughs> thinking they're seeing a glorious divine being. <laughs> they, they took it two totally and different ways. After seeing images of a, of Brock inspectors, it would not surprise me at all that people would consider it a religious experience if they didn't know what it, what was going on. Uh, I'm gonna come back to that religious experience thing again here in a second. But but no, I, I I will going back to the dark watchers. I will I will give you the light glow is not prevalent in their encounters. It is it is le- it is left out. They are often described in a much more sinister. Uh, description only talking about that. Okay, next point. When you as a person are creating a Brock Inspector, one of the things that is often visible is the fact that it is your shadow. It is coming because you can trace the base of it from where it is down to your legs. Now, that isn't going to be 100% true when moving through the mountains. There are going to be parts where part of you are in shadow and part of you aren't. But I feel like a 
it, it should be most of the time at least somewhat obvious that this is what's going on. Like the conditions of the cliffside in where the bank of fog is, to make it convincing, unless these people are just really not thinking out the scene, should be fairly obvious. I don't I don't think that's necessarily true. And here and here's hear me out on this. Because if if you if you take people going up into these mountains for the very first time and they and someone legit believes they're having a paranormal encounter, they're often people that are not always having the most rational thinking at that point and, and, and with their memory. And I don't think there's probably as many people that are traveling up into the mountains as are having like general shadow people encounters. Like people that have shadow people encounters, we've had a lot, there's a lot more of them. So people are, are able to break down the stories a lot more versus to see one of these things, you have to go up into the friggin' mountains in order to see one of these things. And I think that shrinks the, the story pool down. And I think it could be a part that's left out. And I think that's a reasonable consideration that people could be seeing this extended shadow and then losing their mind. And it is possible to create a broad specter where it would seem like he's independently standing if the lower part of your body is cast in shadow but the upper part of your body's cast in light you wouldn't be able to trace back the source to you mm -hmm. but that brings me to my final big point on why i don't think it's a broad specter mm -hmm. it's the angle mm -hmm. the thing is when they're walking they see these things up in the mountains right mm -hmm. well from your research on the brock inspector what does that mean where the light source is coming from. Behind you. Not just behind you. Over, up at an angle. It, yeah. it would have to be coming at you upward. That's why one of the main cases where people relate this to being a Brock Inspector, they bring up a lot, is the Gray Man. And about, in that one, the person yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that one, the person's walking towards a fog bank, the light's behind them, and they see this dark shadow walking towards them in the fog bank. That makes sense because they're on an even playing field with the light behind it with the specter now standing in front of them. But once you put the specter at an elevation, it gets harder to justify the light source. Now, if the light source is then projecting from below them and is not obscured, that means you should be able to see the legs running from you to it because of where the source of the light is. But if it's not that, then you shouldn't be seeing it up in the mountains. Neither, neither of them makes sense without the other. Do, do you know something else that I that I, that as we as you as you've been talking about the gray man from Skyland? Is I've been saying so we're talking about the gray man from Skyland. You know, we've talked about like the Brockens the Brockensbergist from Germany or even Buddha's light from China. These are all as of now generally understood, ex explained away things from experienced mountain climbers and people that are up there. How come we don't have that here, like, in the California mountain range? Like, you would think that it would just be a thing where, like, California mountain climbers would be like, yeah, dude, that's X, Y, or Z. Like, they would be explaining that, or it would just be part of the legend. Like, it's just not there. Like, I don't know if we just don't accept science here. Like, you know, I, I, I think it's because I don't think it is a Brock Inspector. I think Brock Inspectors are a thing. I think it's explainable on some phenomena. But I think there's too many things that are off on this one. Yeah. Because, like, one of the things that a lot of the other ones have in their advantage is that they're just these vague humanoid forms. Mm -hmm. And they might have that halo to it, but there's too many things that stand out on this specific case to make me buy that this is definitely a Brock Like, inspector. California has, like, Silicon Valley. <laughs> like, we're, it, it's literally one of the, like, the technological, scientific, like, epicenters, like, of the country, of, of America. And yet, we can't explain the dark watchers possibly scientifically, like, out there. Like, that... I, 
I don't know. I don't know if this makes it more embarrassing. Maybe this just gives it more credence of it being a real thing. I don't know. Like the other thing I was thinking is, if I think that this could easily be tested if we were there on the ground collecting stories, because then we could ask things like, oh, what side of the mountain you're on? Because the thing is, if anyone has ever been on the east side of it, and I, I think I'm going to get this this explanation right, and it's during sunrise, then that blows it. That blows the possibility away because then it would be obscured by the mountain and could not be a Brock inspector. Mm-hmm. And same if they're on the other side and it's sunset, it should not be able to create a Brock inspector. It would have to be. They'd have to line up. But the thing is, we can't test that. We we don't know the the truth of the matter because we're not there on the ground being like, oh, what side of the mountain were you on when you saw it? But, but you don't think that there's enough. That there's enough similarities between, say, Brock Inspectors and the Dark Watchers. They're both being seen as sun, you know, around around sunrise. They're both being seen at high elevations. They're both only sleep, seen for very fleeting moments. And if you try to walk up to them, then then they disappear. Like, you, there, there's not enough to start start making you question it. Well, no, it did make me question it at first. Mm-hmm. That's why. That's why I did kind of a a dive into Brock inspectors and looking mm-hmm. at uh, how they work. Cause at first I'm like, Oh, this really might just explain it. But then I started finding little things that just didn't quite make sense. And for a lot, like I said, for a lot of paranormal cases that people do assign Brock inspectors to, they do make more sense in those situations. But in this one, there's some oddities that are out mm-hmm. there. There are similarities too, but there's some oddities that just make me question. I'm not, Totally sure it fits that well for this one. All right, so we've, I think we've argued the science long enough. Like, what do you? So, like, what do you think there are? If there's something different, if you think there's something different, what do you think? What do you think that it could be then? Oh, I got a few. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I mean, the first theory that I've heard is that they're the guardian spirits of the mountain range, like they're good guardian nature spirits. And I really am always leery of attaching that to any sort of shadow entity or something like that. With you guys have ever heard about how much. We generally don't think that shadow people are here for our best interests. I don't think giant 17-foot-tall shadow entities are probably going to be a protector spirit of that of that out there. I'm trying to, like, I don't know every culture's story of guardian mountain spirits, which a lot, most cultures have some equivalency to. I can't think of too many words a giant shadow. Mm-hmm. Like I can think of some that somewhat fit, like some of the stories of troll guardians on mountains and things. They'd be big and up <laughs> in the mountain, but I can't think of too many where they're positive spirits that are shadowy like that. Like, do you think maybe that you know one that I haven't seen that that I've heard people say, but this came up in my mind when I was listening to this as this being like. I don't know where the hat man is strongest. Okay, no, that is something that I I was thinking too. It's like, is there like the great council of hat men out there? Because if if you take this out of the mountain, stick it in someone's bedroom, you would call this a hat man encounter, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. And if it's like the hat man thing, super super well. Well, there. The the only difference though between this and a regular hat man story is hat men shadow people stories are way more likely to be violent. Or at least malevolent, like malevolent, like as far as like that. And I haven't heard one Dark Watcher story that is that I would believe is a Dark Watcher story. That's that out there, that malevolent story. Uh, that's true. I can't think of any of these stories being really at all malevolent. They seem to be entirely innocuous. 
but maybe there's something about this area that draws them to it and makes it so they don't have to have to like commit these outward actions. Yeah. Because you normally don't see, like, you don't associate headman encounters with being out in nature. That's not a normal association we have with it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I. Okay, if I'm talking like way out there theories, I'll, I'll give you one. I'm almost wondering since this, there aren't a whole lot of really consistent ancient um or even like older encounters with shadow peel that we would consider to be equatable to a modern shadow person encounter i almost wonder if i know me and you have thrown around the idea that these things are from another dimension if maybe that could be the gate and that's why they're so strong they're like they like said this is a very out there theory right here i have nothing to back this up this is just me throwing paranormal at the wall and seeing what sticks it could be, you know, maybe it's like, this is the, maybe the Lucy, oh God, the Mount, the Lucidia mountain ranges out there is like the, the, the portal to some sort of other dimension for shadow people. I hope not, because that would suck for the people of California. <clears throat> Another thought I had was maybe there's some sort of ghostly specter of cowboys who either had guarded that area mm -hmm. or had lost their lives and are now tied to the mountain. Mm -hmm. Because it wouldn't be the first time in folklore that we have a story of someone dying on a mountain and then becoming somehow bound to the mountain. You know, I'm, I'm wondering, though, like, as far as, like, you know, North America goes, this is probably le legit one of the, I would you say, biggest paranormal entities, 17, you know, 12 foot tall shadow being type entities. No, it depends how much. Are we counting lake monsters in there? No, we're not talking <laughs> about lake monsters. Well, you know, but like... Uh, they're big for it, 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 Yeah, at least things walking around on land. So, you know, we've always talked about how things in the paranormal always go tied together. Could this be why there's so much UFO activity in California? California is one of the biggest hotbeds of UFO activity in the country, actually in the world, you know. So, you know, I'm wondering if this could, if this could be related to those together. Now, again, that's me just throwing random stuff out there. But again, you know, you know, we found in the paranormal where there's, 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 there seems to be a lot of connections. You know, I don't know if we're just making this connection, but I don't know. Maybe maybe it is a form of guardian thing because a lot of people who um, cite these things say that they're staring out to sea or they're staring up at the sky. Maybe they're not here to watch us. Maybe the watchers are watching the UFOs and USOs, I guess, as well. That's true. Like, being like, like I'm seeing you aliens. Like, you're not going to land here in California. Ah. <sighs> But when it comes down to what they are, I like the mountain spirit idea, but I'm having a hard time tying it down in folklore. Like I said, it's not, mountain spirits aren't like something I've super studied for this. I didn't think about that being one of the possibilities, but now that you bring it up, yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, but I don't think it's all that likely. Uh, my thought would be probably one of the two things that i brought up either it has something to do with the hat man because it is so similar to that phenomena or we're looking at some sort of ghost that manifests as a shadow that's watching the area that has either unfinished business or has somehow become bound to the mountain is that your final thoughts on it yep and, oh, <laughs> and i'm not fully convinced that it's a brock inspector i don't know you know when i when I think cross-culturally about like a lot of representations of say, I don't know, death, death is a figure that is brought up like, you know, what is the image of that? It is, it is a cross-cultural phenomenon, but even though it's cross-cultural, you know, 
there's still maybe a few things that are very different that each culture depicts it at. When it comes to these to these dark watchers, it's a phenomenon that has been seen across the country. And I'm glad with that. I think that in this episode, I think we've established that, that it is not a solitary thing out there just in California. This is a phenomenon that is a worldwide phenomenon. You know, um, definitely want to get your guys' thoughts on this in the comments below. What do you guys think about the Dark Watchers? Do you think that, do you think that they're their own thing? Do you think that they're a worldwide phenomenon? Do you think they're just a, a natural phenomenon? And if you don't like that we got so damn sciencey in this one, just tell us to knock off the science. Hey, we, we got, we, first, we get some, we get sciencey somewhat already with a lot of our stuff when you get talking about, like, biology and stuff. I, it's, it's part of the paranormal, you know. Beyond that, I'm not. I don't even know what a light scientist is called. I'm gonna call it a luminologist. That's probably not correct, <laughs> but that's that's what I'm gonna call it. I am not a luminologist. I had to learn these. I had to learn this information in a set amount of time without like a trained instructor. I believe I understand it correctly. But if any of you guys are luminologists out there and I got this wrong, please tell me. Yeah. Well, you know, like I, you know, I don't know a whole lot about German folklore, so it was kind of, you know, it was kind of fun being able to, to, to dive into that a little bit and when researching this thing as well. So I thought oh, that was there's cool. some yeah. amazing things in German yeah. folklore, man. So actually, man, if you want to talk about like the the uh, the Hans Mountains there in Germany, man? You guys want to look up a cool like folklore surrounding something? Look up that. That was a wild ride in and of itself. But anyway, but let you, let us know what you guys think about the the Dark Watchers below. What do you guys think about them? Um, if you guys like this episode, don't forget to like, share, uh, follow us. Give us a review wherever you guys check this podcast out. It always helps out uh, the podcast when you guys do that. But until next time, keep believing. Because we'll keep listening. All right, guys. Now we're going to slide into our Pillow Talk segment of the podcast. Um, if this is the first time you guys are ever checking out uh, this podcast, our Pillow Talk segment is where uh, we keep the conversation going about something paranormal, maybe about what we were just talking about or a whole new topic in general. Um, we give you guys a little bit. If you guys want to catch the rest of this podcast, all you guys got to do is go over to our Patreon and sign up today. As little as $1 a month gets you all the rest of all of our podcasts. And today we're going to be talking about a personal paranormal experience that Marcus has been trying to get me to talk about for a while. So yes. it's... A fairly extreme one. Yes, yes. So, uh, and I got into this idea because uh, one of our patrons, my second cousin, um, Barbara, who's awesome, by the way, uh, she she reached out to me to talk to me about a paranormal encounter that she had. Um, you know, she lives on the East Coast, and she lives, like, not too far from where they did some of the Manhattan Project experiments on the East Coast. And she's like, oh, yeah, we get tons of cryptic encounters out here all the time. Like, it's no big deal. Like, they're just used to it. I'm really hoping she might let us drive out there at some point. Absolutely. My whole, dude, my whole family is awesome. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, you know, we have tons of weird stories that I'm, by the way, that I'm just now finding out about now as I've been opening up to them about how into the paranormal field I actually am. So, oddly enough, I had something similar where my father never, uh, never taught, and my mother, the same before she passed. Had never told me about any sort of paranormal stuff, but then once they found out that like mm-hmm. I'm doing stuff in this field, they've come forward with like a lot of stuff. I'm like, why didn't you ever tell yeah, me this? Yeah, like my like you know for for years, you know, I I never heard anything about this from my parents, and once they hear that I 
you know, starting a paranormal podcast, my mom's like, oh, yeah, you know, for the, I used to interview psychics all the time for, like, the school newspaper and all this, and our old houses used to be haunted and all this, and we used to have stories like this. I'm like, y'all couldn't have told some of this stuff to me before? But anyway, but back to Barbara's story. Um, so she reaches out to me, and she's like, yeah, so we get cryptid encounters out here all the time. And she says one of her most recent ones that she had uh, was out in a field. She had like two sets of eyes that were white. And at first she thought it was deer, but she described it as like putting like two eyes in a box uh, and or no, having a box, putting a light in it, uh, then moving the light around and then moving the light around in the box around. That's how kind of how she was describing it to me. Um, and so she's describing like literally just out in this field, she's just seeing these like floating eyes that are just moving around. And that was so similar to an experience I know that you had one time, uh, on a paranormal case. And I thought we could totally share it for this podcast. Cause I don't think you guys <coughs> have heard this yet. Okay. So this one comes from back in college and me, Ellie, and, uh, one of Ellie's friends are hanging out and she, her friend's like, okay. If you are interested in the paranormal, there's something I've always wanted to check out. She used to live down this road. So 